Welcome to Face Your Faith with West Kenyon. It is our hope that today's study will encourage you to grow deeply in your relationship with God as we study the Word together. Now let's join West for today's study. This week we are back in the account of Jonah for part two of Jonah and the whale or the fish as we discovered last week and we are going to pick up where we left off in God's word and we are going to start reading from Jonah chapter three verse one. A quick side note, I'm not going to read the entire passage but rather skip through chapters three and four to give us a good overview so we can apply the main application of this account and how we are to see and hear this account and how it applies to our lives today and right now. Now on to Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I gave you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city and it took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, quote, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God, a fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. Continuing further on in the chapter, in verses 6 through 9 we read that the warning from Jonah reached the king and he set forth a decree that there was to be a fast in the land which would include both people and farm animals, and that everyone was to urgently call on God. Notice, not a God, but God and give up their evil ways and violence. The king then states, quote, who knows, maybe God will not destroy us if we repent and change our ways. And in verse 10, we see God saw their repentance and that they recognized what they had been doing was wrong. And he, God, didn't follow through as he had threatened. Take careful note of this word threatened. Notice God did not promise to destroy them. He only made a threat. And we will see when we get to chapter 4, Jonah gets all bent out of shape over this because Jonah must have determined in his mind that God was somehow committed to following through on the threat. At this point, however, we see that God more or less started over again with Jonah when he says, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Notice, while God leveled a consequence on Jonah for his attempt to run away and not do as he was told, we see here that God graciously and lovingly gave Jonah a second chance. God didn't criticize Jonah and say, all right, buddy, let's see if you can pull it off this time. God never called Jonah a loser or said he was stupid. No, and God started over with no bringing up the past. Isn't that loving? Isn't that a great reminder of who we need to be when others make unwise decisions that affect us? We see here God moved on, and we see God moves on when we confess and we trust that God will and has forgiven us, and even when he knows full well that we will turn on him again and again. And we know God is not out to hold our blunders, our errors, wrongdoing, sin over our heads because God clearly stated in Psalm 103.12, as far as the west is from the east, so far has God removed our transgressions from us. And again, we see this is how God treated Jonah. Yes, there was a consequence and a pretty violent one at that, but after all, it sometimes takes a rough consequence to get us out of our rut of disobedience. And as you know all too well, there are plenty of times that even after a harsh consequence like being swallowed by a fish, 
doesn't shake us up enough to keep our attention for very long. And so we go back and do the same thing again. And this was Jonah. One would have to believe that this fishy experience would once and for all satisfy and cure Jonah of ever being disobedient again in any area of his life. But how many times has God allowed crazy things to happen in your life to get your attention and sent that fish to swallow you up? The fish that God sent to me when I was spiraling out of control down, down, down to the depths was my brain surgery. Yes, brain surgery was my fish that swallowed me up and forced me to think and kept me tied to a hospital and a bed and nothing else to do but call out to God and pray and promise and turn around once I got vomited on the other end of recovery. I was running from God, not doing what God asked me to do in my life. I kept boarding ships that would take me where I wanted to go while knowing all along what was expected of me. But I am stubborn and don't cave in very easily to anyone, including God. Shocking, I know. And just like Jonah, as I prayed my way through the journey of my brain surgery fish, I have decided on entirely too many occasions to once again moan and groan in God's ear and get angry with God and go back to many past ways of boarding ships to take me where I would prefer to go. One would think that brain surgery and the potential of not making it through this surgery and leaving behind an 11-month-old and a wife would have certainly been a sobering enough experience to never go back to my old ways ever again. But that's just not the case, at least for Jonah and me. And we see this common scenario as we read in Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, that God would spare Nineveh just because they repented. And Jonah became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from the sending of calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. We need to stop reading there, because this is a crazy moment. We see Jonah has a really, really bad attitude and a bad, bad temper. And he doesn't sound at all like he is recalling one second of how God saved him not that long ago, that of saving him from death. And now Jonah has the audacity to say to God, directly to his face, Now, Lord, kill me. I'm fed up with you. You, God, have crossed a line here, and you and I are through. No more games. End it now. Wow. That is bold. That's really bold. Jonah is also very arrogant, we see. He's conceited and very apparently he decided on self-induced expectations that God would follow through even if they turned from their wrong and followed God. We also see from this Jonah had a pretty evil heart. After all, Jonah makes it clear that even if they did repent and change their ways, he, Jonah, still wanted them dead. Yet Jonah himself has the same attitude of the city of Nineveh. The people of Nineveh had fled from God. They took a ship and set sail away from what God wanted of them. And in God's love and kindness and his slowness to anger and his desire not to wipe people out, God sent Jonah as a sort of fish, as a vessel used by God to warn and save the city. And Jonah gets hostile, not only toward God, but to the entire population of Nineveh, that they repented and were saved. 
Isn't that an unconscionable thought process for Jonah to have, considering God gave Jonah a second chance to live and confess and turn from his rotten, stubborn, self-centered ways? And now Jonah is not even willing to let others experience what God had done for him. We see Jonah is still a miserable, stubborn shipwreck that is just not getting it. He is just not getting all that has been done for him to spare his life. Jonah obviously forgot about what he prayed while he was in the stomach of that fish. And God answered him. And this is why I mentioned in part one that this was somewhat of a foxhole prayer. And we are now seeing a bit of that in Jonah's attitude toward God and to others. And what comes next to me is truly amazing on behalf of God. Reading, beginning, verses 4 through 10. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry, Jonah? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head, to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn, the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, quote, It would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, Jonah said, and I am so angry I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and it died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and also many animals? And this ends the account of Jonah. Such a short little testament about a stubborn wayward man, a bitter man, an angry man, a self-centered man, who was just not getting it. Even in the face of all God provided for Jonah, Jonah refused up until the end of this account to give up. He exclaimed again he wanted to die. Again in God's face, he wants to be out of here. Enough is enough. I'm done, God. And all along we see God kept proving for Jonah, even with the knowledge that Jonah would smack him, God, in the face all along. And this is every one of us. Please don't excuse yourself from this scenario because this is who we are as people. Yes, all of us, the believers, the born again, those saved by the grace of God. Don't kid yourself that you are somehow more holy or disciplined than telling God to his face that you are angry and so angry with him that you are fed up with life. Don't forget, you have set sail for many places and will set sail for many more places that God never asked you to go. Perhaps you're there right now on that ship, leaving God. You and I will continue to smack God in the face for not giving us what we want and selfishly wanting consequences of others, even in the face of God sparing us, simply because we deserve it and those other people simply do not. Don't forget that you and I are still pretty rotten at our core, and it is only by the grace of God and His slowness to anger that we still have a beating heart and have a promise unlike anything in this world, and that of security and salvation and a promise of eternal life in Christ, in heaven, and even in the face of our manipulation and rebellion. 
Welcome the fish, those uncomfortable situations that God sends to not only discipline, but to save. We know from the 23rd Psalm that God's rod and staff comfort us, and ironically, those two items are both tools designed for corrective measures. The rod and the staff are not warm and fuzzy implements that are used for tender nudging. Far from our sweet, serene images of shepherds staring vacantly into outer space. No, that shepherd's staff is designed to get tightly around the neck and yank you back. And that snug, fitting hook pulling you back will likely cause a little gagging and choking with tripping and stumbling over your own feet as you are yanked backward. And then there's the rod. The rod that we read about in God's word when he tells us as parents, if we spare the rod, we spoil the child. And indeed, God is an awesome parent and knows if he spares that rod, he will ruin us. And so God keeps the two tools for correction by his side to drag us back and correct us. Yes, that staff for Jonah was the fish, and the rod was the scorching heat that beat down on Jonah. And this is how much God loves us, enough to discipline us, keep us from wandering off and getting into very serious trouble. Accept the fish, the staff, the rod, and don't think you are exempt from these corrections because you think you have somehow gotten right where you need to be with God. Indeed, you have not and will not until you meet our Lord face to face, and then you will have truly made it. Yes, perfection forevermore. Until then, keep growing and keep learning and accept what God has given you. Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, you are amazing. Your love and your grace and your slowness to anger is more than we can understand. Thank you so much for your endless compassion on us, even in our relentlessness of doing what we want. Thank you for keeping us safe and guided in the right direction. Help us to remember to turn to you in our times of frustration and anger toward you. Help us not to think we have made it in our walk with you in any way, shape, or form. Help us to just continue to accept those fish and the corrections you allow in our lives to grow us into the very people you so desire us to be in your name. Keep us from wandering as you do, and please continue to show us compassion for others and that we too would be slow to anger and patient with those who are still struggling in areas we are not. And we ask all of this in the amazing name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.